Well, welcome listeners to Siouxland Catholic Radio, 88.1 FM. This is Faith in Action, and I am Lisa Niebuhr in with Ann Reed um, on behalf of Joanne Fox. And we are so grateful, whether it is Monday morning at 9 o'clock, Saturday night at 7 o'clock, or you're listening on demand, we are grateful that you took time to join us. And Faith in Action is brought to you by Mary's Choice, a pregnancy resource center here in Sioux City. And today in studio, listeners, we have two very special people, a young man who has served on Siouxland Catholic Radio's board and been very active in the community, and a lady who is changing lives throughout Siouxland. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege to introduce to you Dave Ferris and Sarah, I've forgotten your last name, from Hope Street here in Sioux City. Welcome both. Thank you. Thank you for nice having to us. Be here. Dave. Tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners who maybe don't know about you or why you got involved originally with the Hope Street. Uh, Well, I've been in Sioux City for almost 70 years, so my whole life. Uh, And I've just kind of always been a little active in the community. Um, Actually got really wrapped up in the homeless community about, I don't know, wait, time's going by seven, eight years ago. And and I just tell the story. I said, I've, with my little business, we own a, a restaurant in Sioux City and have for 45, 46 years. Uh, and we bank at Central Bank. And every morning I'd go to Central Bank and I'd make our deposit. And at the time we had an ice cream store over on Hamilton Boulevard. And I would go to the bank at 7.30, 7.35. And I'd go up Nebraska Street and I'd always turn down 18th Street. One morning, it was January, like January 6th, January 7th, and it was freezing cold. And I'm driving up Nebraska Street, and I drove by the warming shelter, which I really had no knowledge of. I just knew what it was. And I looked over, and there were four or five people sitting on the concrete. And it it was at zero temp. I mean, it was freezing cold. And I looked over, and and I drove by, and I'm... And, I, and I, I pulled over, and I just thought, and I did. It was a moment for me that hit me. I'm sitting in my car. I have heated seats. I have a heated steering wheel, and I have the temperature set on 80 degrees. And I don't say that to brag. I just say that, that reality hit in, that I thought, dear Lord, what, what is wrong with this picture? I'm doing this, and those people are freezing to death. Um, I just felt I had to do, I didn't know what I could do. I had no idea. So the next day I made a phone call and I found out that Joe Twidwell was heavily, and I didn't, I didn't know Joe at the time, and I heard that he was a security bank and he was kind of the guy for the warming shelter. So I called Joe and I said, uh, introduce myself, and I said, if there's anything I can do, I, I, I don't know, but I just feel I'm being called to do something. And he said, yep, he says, you're on the board. So I got on the board of the warming shelter about eight years ago, I've had built a great relationship with Joe, a wonderful man. And uh, then it kind of led to Hope Street was non-existent at the time. Um, you want me to continue going on about Hope Street? or Please go you? on and, and introduce Sarah so, as you're talking about okay. Hope Street. So, we, so a, a lot of meetings started happening downtown about the homeless population. And there was a big one at the convention center. There was like 125, 130 people there. And we all wanted to go talk about homeless people. So I, I went. It was the first time I'd ever gone to something like that. And I'm sitting in the back, and I'm listening. 
And I thought, man, this doesn't sound right. So they had another meeting a month later, and I went back, and I thought to myself, I thought, this is kind of bogus. They just want to figure out how to get the homeless out of downtown. They didn't really, it did not appear to me that they were looking to do anything or try to figure out the situation. They just wanted to get them out of the business community. So I got upset, and I just, I quit going. Um, but there happened to be some people there, Regina Roth, who I'd, I'd known. I got, we're not, I consider her a dear friend now. But uh, So she called me about a month later, and she said, David, I saw you at the meeting down there. And she says, I'm really irritated. We need to do something to try to turn the homeless population around. Uh, so her and Frank Lemire and myself and a few people we got together, uh, we found Sarah through a, a reach-out thing. We formed a board. Uh, we rented a building that had 10 plus, we could house 10 men in it, put bylaws together. Sarah helped, Sarah's been in this role for a long time uh, working with people that have these issues. We knew nothing about it. We just knew we truly had some big hearts that wanted to make a difference. Uh, so in, I think, June of 2019, we opened the doors of Hope Street very quietly. Our, and as we did, not, we did not set a high bar. We said that if in one year, if we had one man that had turned his life around, it was a massive success. And it took a lot of money to fund this thing. And God bless Regina Roth. I mean, she, she funded it. And uh, we looked back in a year and a half and thought, my Lord, we'd had double-digit guys that were back in society, living on their own, holding jobs, helping other people. It was remarkable. And then we just continued to grow from there. So it's, and Sarah Johnson, uh, we all tell Sarah, you know, we maybe get the bricks and mortar going. Sarah's the 98% miracle that's making this thing happen. Uh, I've never met anyone that has relatable, can relate with them, and discipline them with such love. And most of those guys, I, I think, would walk in front of a truck for Sarah. Um, but she doesn't take any crap off them. I mean, she really <laughs> holds their feet to the fire. And I think everyone that's graduated, I think we're in almost 65, between 65 and 70 guys now whose lives have been turned around by Hope Street. And uh, Sarah and Leah have just uh, been remarkable workers. And uh, that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Well, Sarah, for our Faith in Action listeners who don't know you, would you please tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got involved with Hope Street? Um, my name is Sarah Johnson. I have been working in social work for almost 18 years. And um, at my, I guess, previous job, one of the things that I would do on Monday mornings would be to um, help the homeless in our alley way. I helped them. I brought them water, crackers, snacks. And um, I, I feel like a lot of times it's punitive. And I chose a different I guess, relationship building, I thought was going to be a better option for us. And now those individuals, you know, they, they were 
I guess, excited to see me on Monday mornings. And we had, you know, I could ask them, hey, I need you to do this, but then why don't you come back and I'll have some socks for you or we're going to get you a code. And um, so developing relationships, I think, is very important to our our mission and, and, and building trust in the homeless community. Uh, once we started Hope Street, I was in charge of kind of doing the remodel of the building and getting the contractors. Uh, and then we kind of moved to gradually adding one individual at a time. We weren't sure. I wasn't sure what we were doing. And it was it was challenging, and I was learning along the way. We decided to not do follow kind of like the detox route where, you know, we're going to sit at the center, and then we're just going to gradually create a, a program for somebody. We opted to do the when they went to the hospital and they detoxed enough to be healthy, they were able to come to Hope Street, have a safe place to stay. So they had a warm bed, they had a place to cook food, they had access to laundry facilities and showers. And I think part of that is when you are so used to scrapping for every tiny little amenity, it is just overwhelming being in that survival mode. And so you have to choose. So we were able to start by giving all of those pieces for individuals to be successful and start to feel loved and cared for and understanding, you know, when board members came in and they were acknowledged and they just started feeling really a part of the community. So I believe, I don't know, maybe a year and a half later, we chose to partner with Catholic Charities and Amy Block uh, and uh, Sister Grace Ann Witt they, they reached out to us about renting one of their, their homes that they had previously used. It was called the Claire Guest House. And we were able to basically take that over and, and change it into a men's sober living home. So we had our initial location that was at 406 12th Street. And then we had a second location for men who had never really had, you know, in an apartment or they hadn't really been a little more independent. So moving from Hope Street to our Prosperity House is, you know, it was still having the safety net. They had, you know, people that they were living with, that they had done their recovery journey with, um, but it was a lot more independent. And so they felt really good about that. And it wasn't very long after that. I I don't know, maybe another year and a half. And we were able to, um, well, we were were approached um, by Chris Dam with Shessler Hall she identified that the building was going to be an opportunity to be purchased. Um, I took it to the board, and now we were able to, uh, with a lot of support from the community, uh, we were able to purchase the old Chester Hall building. And now we have moved from the first year helping 10 individuals, the second year helping 15. Now we have graduated to 26. And so we can house 26 men um, at a time in there's 13 per floor, and we have laundry facilities. We have several showers. We have a kitchen, a giant dining room that we have family meals three nights a week. Um, they're in charge of cooking their own meals outside of those times. But then we have people volunteer to cook the family meals, to serve them, who, who's going to clean up just like you would in a family. And one of the things I just think is really important is creating some of those new experiences that are going to replace 
some of the negative experiences that individuals have had. So we are really just trying to create a family atmosphere for individuals and help them with their recovery journey, as well as give them mental health support. Thank you so much, Sarah. We are you're listening to Siouxland Catholic Radio 88.1 FM, Faith in Action, and I'm Lisa Niebuhr in with Dave Ferris and uh, Sarah Johnson from Hope Street, and we're talking about the fabulous work with Hope Street. And Sarah, you say to us that the gentlemen that come in are your guests. Why guests? And if I'm a gentleman or I know of somebody, how do you make that referral or how does a gentleman become a guest at Hope Street? Well, I kind of want to really first explain why we call individual guests because this is their home and we want people to stay a minimum of nine months to help them learn and grow, but they can stay as long as they need. And so we've had individuals who have stayed three years. I just had a a gentleman move out in November that had been with us for three years. And I think when somebody comes to the house, it is going to be their home, but it's going to be temporary. It's not going to be for the rest of their life. And so they came to be a guest. And when you are a guest at a home, you are involved. You participate in taking care of that, that home, whether it is cleaning, doing laundry, snow removal, maintaining the lawn, um, any type of, I guess, maintenance that you would do in your own home, these guys are willing to step up and and learn how to do it if they don't know. And sometimes they teach me some things that I didn't know. And so, you know, when you have somebody who is invested in where they live and they feel like it is home, I do believe that there's that sense of ownership and you start feeling that pride for your home, your community, um, your self-confidence builds. And I just think it's really important for especially men to feel like they're being supported and they have an opportunity to be successful and change their life for the better. And Dave, you were talking before we started this show that people that are homeless have networks and they've heard about Hope Street. And you have a waiting list of people who want to come to Hope Street because they've heard the stories of their friends, they've seen how their lives have turned around. How, do you, how else do you get referrals to Hope Street? I think, well, Sarah's in contact. I mean, she's with local prisons uh, that we've had people come out of prison and go into Hope Street. Uh, but but I think an awful lot of you know some of the different centers around. One thing Sarah just said that I don't know if anybody caught, but is critical. She said we ask them to stay a minimum of nine months. We have them stay. If uh, part of the homeless problem is, and people need to understand this, for so many years when I was involved with the city government, and it was always they'd pick one up off the street, they'd take them to Mercy, they'd detox them for three days. And then they throw them back out on the street. Nothing's changed. I mean, you don't, you can't break that cycle. And if they come to Hope Street, they don't just stay for a month. So many treatment programs are thirty days or two weeks, and that's these guys are so broken, tremendously broken, and unaware of how to live. That when they get to Hope Street, and they, and that's why some some we had one I know a year or so ago. Was there four hours, and he left. He said, I can't do this. I mean, it was so structured that the first four hours, 
he came in told Sarah says I got to go and then you know three days later he calls and says you know I really would like another chance well get in line because you don't just come in and go out you know you you don't do that but the network of people and and I tell everybody this I said everyone has their network of friends and family they all text with they all email they all hang out with homeless people do the same thing and I said probably 90% at least at the warming shelter have cell phones you know government gives them cricket there's different ways to get cell phones they all interact with each other, and they know that Hope Street is a tough place. I, I, it's not a walk in the park, you know. You go there, you're expected, you're expected to volunteer two or three nights a week in the community. Uh, you, do, you do a lot of things. You have to go to meetings. You have to check in. You have to take voluntary drug tests regularly. That's one of our biggest expenses. <clears throat> you fail any of those projects, you're you're asked to leave. So they know that coming in now, and but they also know that the result is a life better than many have been living for many many years. And I think it's sometimes a culture shock when they walk in. They come into Hope Street. It's beautiful wood floors. It's it's like an old home. We've got a nice pool table, two or three big screen TVs. Uh, a nice patio in the back. We have grills. They grill out. They love to grill out all the time. They take turns cooking. They sit together and build a grocery list. They learn to budget. You know, they don't have any idea. Living on the street, I mean, they take their five bucks and do whatever. They don't know what a budget is. They don't know how much a pound of ground beef is. And Sarah and Leah, they teach them all of these things. They go grocery shopping together. They go to movies together. Um... One of the best stories that I've, I've ever told to me that shows what Hope Street is, uh, because I'm on the board of the warming shelter too, so every year for I don't know how many years, Christmas Day, we, my family, we do dinner at the warming shelter. We provide, it's like 125, we go up, we serve it, we have good people, Jack and Dave Bernstein help us, we have Joe Twidwell helps us, a lot of guys, we serve it buffet style, we all go up and dish it up. So one of the first years at Hope Street, Sarah goes, you think there's any way we can buy these guys Christmas gifts? And I said, well, yeah. I said, I, we'll, we'll figure it out. And so we decided together to, they were each going to make a list of 10 items that they want for a wish list. And there's 10 guys there. So Sarah gets this list. And uh, so, I mean, it was, it was a list where one guy said he'd never owned a pair of Nike shoes. One guy wanted a purple sweatshirt. He loved purple. He wanted a purple hoodie. One wanted a sketch pad. He was a true artist. I mean, they were asking for very simple modest, things. simple things. So I, it, 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 but then again, thirty, you know, ten guys with ten gifts, hundred gifts, a lot of money. So I called a friend of mine, and I, he won't care that I say this, but Dave Bernstein, and everybody knows Dave from Saturday in the Park. Dave, Dave and his family, one of the most generous wonderful people and dave has always helped us serve his joke is you know he's he's jewish and he's got nothing going christmas day he's glad to come help serve dinner at the warming shelter so i called dave and said hey dave we'd like to buy gifts can and i can't fund these he says i'm not shopping but i'll help pay for them so i got all my daughters and my daughters went online we bought all these gifts 
So the plan was Christmas Day, we were going to serve dinner at the warming shelter at 3 o'clock, and then at 345, because Hope Street at the time was only a block and a half, two blocks around the corner, we were going to go over and give out the Christmas gifts. So we go to the warming shelter. Dave meets us there. We're all there. And, and I don't know how many people know about the warming shelter. It's, it's got great, its purpose is to not let anybody freeze to death. And so we need that facility. But we go in and serve dinner, and I'm telling you, it was a train wreck. There, you know, because they let everybody in that's been drinking and this, and it just, it was just the most, under, one of the most unappreciated dinners I've ever done. So Dave is just angry. He says, so we leave, and, you know, and I said, come on, Dave, we're going to Hope Street. He says, I'm not going. I'm done. I'm just, I'm just done with this. I'm, he said, I'm so frustrated. We try to do a, I said, come on, you bought these gifts. You got to come with us. We're, we're going. So he agreed. So we go around the corner, and we go into Hope Street. Now, you got to remember, these 10 guys at Hope Street were not that far removed from the warming shelter. The same clientele. And we walk in, and there's, <laughs> it, was, it was so cool. Here's these 10 guys sitting there, dressed, cleaned, stand up, open arms, handshakes, thanking us for being there. And so Dave, Dave likes to be in the back, so he goes and stands back by the wall. And we, my girls, they all pass out these 10 different Christmas bags. And they're taking turns opening these gifts. And I'm telling you, the gratefulness and appreciation of these 10 men was unbelievable. It was like, and they were so happy for each other. It was that's Virgil, cool. you got your sweatshirt. It was just, you know. And then Sarah says, hey, she called. I don't remember what she called. Now. She says, tell him what happened to you today. And he kind of got up. He said, and I'm, if I'm wrong, Sarah, correct me. But he said, this is the first time in like 12 years I got to see my kids on Christmas Day. You know, and That's multiple guys had reunited with their families. And, and it was... We walked out of there, and Dave goes, this is the ticket. This is what it's about. And that's, that's the transformation that Sarah and Leah perform with these guys. They have to be willing participants at some point. But they don't kick them. They don't yell at them. They, don't, they just they kill them with love. And what comes out the other end is mind-blowing. It's just unbelievable. So Sarah and Dave from the Hope Street here on Siouxland Catholic Radio, a part of Faith in Action, and thanks to Mary's Choice, who is changing the lives of expecting moms and dads to be able to bring you this fabulous show. Sarah, Dave's talked about the accountability, that there's one strike and you're out. And because of that one strike, you have seen people going from being unappreciated and not knowing, Dave was telling us before we started, how to even run a wash machine to being so appreciative of these beautiful gifts. What types of supports do you provide them? I mean, are you helping them find jobs, find housing? What do you do to change their hearts and their lives? I think one of the most important parts of, of Hope Street is it's really important for me to develop a relationship about, about a man who is really struggling and 
I would say 99% of the time, it's a dual diagnosis with substance abuse issues and mental health concerns. And so when an individual comes in, our first, I guess, order of business is we're going to go downstairs, we're going to get you clean underwear, clean socks, new clothes that new to them, um, clean donated clothes, a pair of shoes, here's hygiene products for you, here's a brand new towel, you know, let's go take a shower. And then while they're taking a shower, one of the guys in the house will be making food for them. So then they come out, they are fed, they're, you know, we'll buy them a pop out of the pot machine. Um, when you're not used to being treated that way or feeling that care and concern, it feels very foreign and very uncomfortable. Um, then we kind of go over, hey, these are our responsibilities and expectations. And, you know, we talk about, oh, these are the rules, and that feels very punitive, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm, I say, look, this is how everybody wants to, wants to really run their life. And so, you know, you're going to get up, you're going to take a shower, you're going to be ready for the day, you're going to come down, you're going to make your bed, you're going to have a tidy room, you're going to come downstairs, eat breakfast. We don't do a cookie cutter approach for everybody. So we have individuals who come in with the third grade reading level and we have individuals who come in and they have master's degrees. And so when you think about the educational difference, um, we really focus on, oh, this socioeconomic part or, or this educational piece, all of these guys are broken, have trauma, have experienced, you know, some really horrific things in their life and so you know we want to say okay we're going to start doing these expectations and we're going to start small some people can start doing these things and really just need the help and support and guidance um, and they can kind of move really quickly but then we have other people true story about three months ago we had a, an individual who came in he had been on the street for like 27 years and he had not used any services or, or anything. And we actually were cleaning the neighbor's yard and connected with this gentleman. I'm like, hey, why don't you come in? We're going to do this. And he had no idea how to operate the microwave. And in my brain, I'm thinking, you know, I have small children that already know <laughs> how to do that. Or I have, you know, people who have significant disabilities who are able to do this. And so when you put it into perspective of all of these different things, he had some skill sets that I thought were amazing because they were part of his survival mode, right? Mm -hmm. and, and But the other things that we really consider uh, important, we do have to learn about each individual person. So it isn't cookie cutter, because I might start with this person and say, this is how you utilize a washing machine. This is how you fold your clothes. Hey, let's make your bed. Um, to, hey, let's help you do a resume. Let's connect you to this resource. Maybe we, let's look at some medication and see what this professional thinks. Um, we don't require that they go to treatment uh, or mental health. We do require that they practice the 12 steps and get a sponsor. And I think that's really important. Um, it's been a huge piece for some men to initially connect with a church, their spirituality, and other people, it's been reconnecting them with the church. And so we do a lot of volunteering. Um, that's part of our expectation. If you're not working, 
And so you're volunteering 20 hours a week minimum. And when they're doing that and they're going to church and they're meeting these people and they're having positive relationships built, you know, we are integrating them into the community, even though they're starting at very basic step one, step two type of things. But we get them out into the community and teaching them social skills, how to shake somebody's hand. You know, we're going to this event or this place, so we're not wearing sweatpants today. You know, and so some of those things, it's like I've never owned a pair of jeans. Totally blew my mind. And so when we go and we take them and I'm like, you know what? We don't have that size from our donation pile. So we're going to take you and we're going to buy you a brand new pair of jeans. It's mind blowing for them. But I do think that when there's care and concern, you're able to coach and teach and have a more some willingness from the individual to learn how to and be open to learning how to do some of these simple what we consider simple tasks, you know, and, and the chaos that they have going on and trying to get out of survival mode, it takes a few weeks, to be honest with you. And so that's kind of for us, that's kind of our job is to help them decompress, help them move in a different direction and find a different <coughs> path for their life. And what is the minimum age? Do I have to be a South Dakota resident? Is there any religious affiliation? Do I have to be on Medicaid in the past? So we have zero requirement. I do only take individuals from that are from our tri-state region. Okay. And so it can be Nebraska and South Dakota and Iowa. Um, but I want to keep people in the community and have them reinvest in our, our community. So it might be, I mean, I get referrals from the behavioral units from both hospitals. I get individuals that come from a lot of different treatment centers where they might have left Sioux City and they went to Mason City and now they want to come back to a safe spot. We do have individuals who come from prison. Um, we do a an application process and we help them move through and identify if we're a good fit for them. But we don't have a religious affiliation. We don't. So one of the things that I think is important for us is that we don't have services inside the house. So if a person leaves and whether it's successful or unsuccessful, I want them to be connected to a church in the community and go to the Bible study at the church. I want them to, oh, I can go see my therapist, but because I'm not at Hope Street, I can't get in there and see my therapist there. No, I want you to go see your therapist at the place that you chose. And so giving kind of those those choices and that guidance and and because I don't, I don't have a therapist at my house or I don't have the doctor come here or, you know, those types of things. We do have services. When I say services, like ISU is doing a cooking class today that we're oh, doing. Cool. And so, you know, so we have some temporary mm -hmm. supports that come in, but really there isn't a requirement for that. And it, it really is because I don't put it in a, well, you can only come in because, you know, you're Lutheran or Protestant or Catholic and we're only going to do these things. And um, I want to be welcoming to everybody. And substance abuse and mental health does not discriminate. And so I think everybody who has a desire and willingness to get healthy and want to become a healthy contributor to the community, um, we want them to come and learn those skills and, and, and leave us successfully. 
So you really provide case management services after you get folks comfortable in your home and building those accountability skills, you start connecting them to services in the community so that way they can be able to graduate after nine months or longer. Am I correct? Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about the accountability, it's about, hey, we're on a phase system. We can do, these are the things that you can do on your own or with a with a group. Um, they have to do drug testing and breathalyzers, a minimum of every seven days. They do have to go attend meetings. Um, children are always welcome. We want their, we want to help them reconnect. It's, it's always challenging um, what in the DHS system or in the court systems to reconnect fathers with their children. And we have definitely been very successful in doing that because the other part of it is, is also teaching them to be confident to, hey, we're not just going to do a frozen pizza for dinner. Let's try something different and let's get our eight-year-old daughter in and, hey, let's show her how to brown the hamburger and this is how you can do it. And so we do a lot of coaching you know, from that side of it as well, because they haven't had the experience. And so there isn't the confidence. And, you know, so now I have a, a dad who every Saturday, his daughter comes and they cook together. And then, you know, he was really just unsure playing board games. And so, okay, we'll come in and we're going to play games and we're going to do this because, well, she can sit at home and watch TV all the time but let's build a relationship with dad and do it in a little bit different way. So there's a lot of opportunities for people to learn in a hands-on way versus being given a pamphlet and, and oh, this is how you should do it. And so if you've never had those experiences, um, I just think that it's really important so they can have visitors and we have a time frame. We have a curfew. If you are late to curfew and um, you have to pay for your UA, you know, um, I mean, so there are some things put in place and I'll be honest with you. There is very minimal times that we've had somebody had to have a curfew, curfew issue. Typically, I'm going to be honest, it's the trains downtown. Okay. <laughs> we understand. And so, so I'm like, okay, we understand. Um, and I think the other part of it is because we develop these relationships, we do have people who have chosen to leave. They relapse. But because we have built that trust, they'll call me instead and say, hey, I relapsed. I know I can't come back tonight, but I'll call you when I can come pick my stuff up. Okay. And so I think that that's a very important piece. And the other part is, is that we have not had to have police contact at our house because of any like sort of fighting or arguments or feeling unsafe. Um, and I, and I think that's an important piece because all of these individuals have done jail time or prison time. And so when they can say, oh, I can live with all these other people and there's definitely conflict, but it can be done in a little bit different way, I think that's huge. And if you're tuning in right now, this is Sulan Catholic Radio 88.1 FM. <coughs> Faith in Action with Sarah Johnson explaining the tremendous changes that they are making in gentlemen here uh, in Siouxland through Hope Street. And Dave, to be able to provide all of these services, it is not free. How did you, you talked earlier about getting support from Regina Roth and some key individuals, Dave Bernstein, but what's the average cost per man coming in using the Hope Street? And if Lisa were that gentleman 
that were on the streets not using Hope Street, what would that cost be to society? Because when we got your Christmas letter, you got us, I mean, we all just kind of stopped in our tracks going, wow. And so what's that cost and how do you pay for that? Well, our, our cost in, in the world of 25 guys, so, so first let me just give a little backstory of how things always used to work or, and, and still too to some degree. So they'll find someone on the street, um, the police officers will pick them up. If they're too bad a shape, they take them to the hospital. So there's a couple of police officers taking a guy off the street let's just say Mercy Medical Center, they have to sit there, the officers, the entire time with them. And it could take three to four hours so before they're processed. So this individual, very, this is a very likely scenario, will be admitted in, uh, taken into the care of Mercy Hospital, could sit there for 72 to 96 hours, uh, trying to detox, trying to do whatever. So number one, Mercy has all that time invested, money they're not going to receive. Right. The Sioux City Police Department has spent all that money. They're never going to receive it back. And then after 72, 96 hours, that individual is let out the door. Nothing has changed. So that person will go back to wherever they're hanging out, whatever they're doing, and this cycle continues. This cycle can easily be tracked and proven to cost the taxpayers a half a million dollars a year. Per individual. Six months. Or six months. Six months. Half a million dollars, $500,000 for six months. So for a year, it's costing us a million dollars per homeless person on the streets going into the hospital, get, going through detox, back out on the streets, and repeating that. And it could be going in and out of jail, you know, or if they decided to relapse, you know, it's not just one police officer that shows up. It's an ambulance. It's a fire truck. Mm -hmm. You know, usually there's multiple, correct? Um, and so there's not just the one police officer. And, and then I look at it as it's also wasting resources or taking those opportunities, you know, for other people who really need, right. need for, for those services. And I think the other thing people have to realize uh, and, and this is something I'm kind of preaching on the streets nowadays to the different boards that I'm on. We are not San Francisco. We're not Oregon. We don't have, you know, 5,000, 10,000. I think Denver said there, Denver is now in excess of 100 and some thousand people living on the streets. We don't do that. We don't have those numbers in Sioux City, and I say that cautiously yet because if we don't get a full grip on it, it can only multiply. So when I look at we have 60 people, 65 people that have changed their lives, that is a significant percentage of the homeless population in Sioux City. So the city, the county, uh, people that contribute now. So now Sarah's already made the point, and it's a proven, proven fact, $500,000 for six months. Our entire budget at Hope Street for 25 guys it's costing payroll for two people, Sarah and Leah. All the excess is $260,000 a year, less than $10,000 per individual, right at ten dollars to $11,000 wow. per individual. So for $11,000 per individual, we are, we are helping turn someone into a productive citizen that is, can become tax-paying, living off of the city drolls, will not be that person that's annoying you at the stoplight, holding up a sign, 
You know, I mean, I know people, so many people say, oh, just get them drunks off the street, get a job. They don't understand that it's a process. So show some empathy, help fund this operation. We do not take any tax, we do not take any federal money, we do not do any of that because we don't want to live by their rules. Our rules work. And if more operations, if the state, federal governments would look at something like Hope Street and realize how it works, instead of throwing billions of dollars at building tent cities and doing all this stuff that's only embellishing the problem, you can make a massive difference. And I look at this from a business person's perspective, and I mean, Catholic Radio, you know what it costs to operate every year. Every business knows that in the world of business, $250,000 for 25 guys is a minimal investment. But we have no one that is just writing us checks. So we make the phone calls, we drive, and God bless, I've said it before, but Regina Roth self-funded this. Regina just left our board two months ago. Wow. So she's retired. She's one of the initial start startup people. Um, and, and I know Regina's heart's with it. But we need other businesses. I'm really hoping to find 10 to 12 to 15 businesses. We, we have very generous people in our community, extremely generous. But if we could get 10 or 15 businesses uh, to make a five-year commitment to five, ten dollars to $15,000 a year, and I know a lot of businesses do that stuff regularly. To the small business guy, you're thinking, ten grand a year? But to a lot of bigger businesses and even smaller businesses, to do 1000 or $2,500 a year, make a five-year commitment so we can take the, the rest of the financial stress off, uh, and help us raise a quarter of a million dollars a year. I, I would be grateful as one board member uh, that's beating the streets and making phone calls and Sarah is. And, uh, but a, a generous donation to help change, truly changing lives. And if you want to come tour it, you want to come meet the guys, we are more than welcome to open our doors and show you what we're doing and uh, looking for any type of support or even a couple of really... Uh, active board members would like to become involved, people who would like to become board members. We're, we, we have a great board. Uh, we have a policeman on our board. We have, uh, I could name everybody. It's, uh, we, we just have a phenomenal board that truly cares and uh, work hard to keep Hope Street going. So may I add to, Sarah, as you were talking about a dad teaching a daughter how to cook, that $10,000 investment is not only changing his life, but if a dad, if a gentleman has a wife or a girlfriend or kids, that money is not only changing his life, he's changing the other people's lives. And now I'm taking an individual who had no skills or lost those skills because of whatever, now is working at Sneakies or working at Catholic Radio and volunteering in the community. And so you're really taking... And, and turning people's lives around and decreasing the impact on our economy by helping people be active citizens and active taxpayers. They are. We have people, we have working at Unity Point. Um, we have Seaboard Triumph. Uh, we have one, I think, or one or two that have gone into managers at Silver Star Car Wash. We have how many different places? We have, we have a lot of places. Oh, we have people who are now reco recovery coaches. We have Seaboard, Tyson. 
Um, I'm trying to think. We have we have a lot of different types of individuals. We have, I believe, like five or six guys who are welding. You know, I think oh, that's what? phenomenal, and that's such a huge need in our in our community. Um, we have guys working at Purdue. We actually have a guy who is a recruiter for Purdue. And so how wow. great is that? And we you have know? one that uh, has gone through a year or two of college now. Yep. I mean, we've got people that are back in college. It's just remarkable. So how do I, A, make a donation, B, get a tour, C, collaborate with you, or D, volunteer, or all of the above? Address, phone number, website. I can, I can give you all that information. <laughs> so our website is Hope Street of Siouxland. Dot com all spelled out we're actually working on making some changes to our website and getting it updated with our new location which is at 1308 nebraska street um we're right next to the church on the corner of 14th and nebraska and we invite anybody from the community to come at any time and so you know we have people show up and we have guys who love to give the tours, kind of explain what they're doing, what's happening there. Um, so even if Leah and I are at a meeting or we're not, we're not there, the guys know how to accept donations. They know how to give a tour. They know how to maybe introduce some of, you know, the other individuals and kind of engage them in, in the conversation. They, kind of show every they they show our visitors um we have some some therapy animals in our in our house which has been great and if you want to make a donation there's a couple three or four different ways that you can do that you can go onto our website and we have an option to make a donation through paypal you can do a one-time donation you can set up a monthly deduction uh, which i think is great um and so you can kind of really tailor what your financial contribution can be. Um, you can also mail it to our, I guess, fiscal agent at 2540 Glen Avenue in Sioux City. You just put attention Hope Street. Um, and I'm trying to think a little bit, and, and you know, and for us, anybody is welcome to come and bring those donations, that funding, it'll find its way to the right people. And we just are really proud of taking a building that um, we have done some some remodeling and, and some updating. And for the most part, I would say 85% of it has been done by the guys who live there. They've painted every, every room in that building, which there's a ton. We have four floors. We have a basement, a main floor, and then a first and second floor um, for bedrooms. And so, and just recently, we received a MERG grant that could do some other updates for us that was a little bit out of our budget, which we super appreciate. But the part that's just so amazing, the guys see something that needs to be done or they want to do it. And, and I want to make that happen for them. I was just approached about, hey, I'd really like to paint the floor of the laundry room. I'm like, yeah, it's a little rough. Yeah, I think we should do it before summer. You know, okay, yep, this is great. And so they're they're definitely excited to come and and be part of that and and invest in those in those changes. And so you're able to make those donations to help these individuals meet all of those personal goals, keep them warm and safe, provide you know any necessities that they they may need. And I have to say we we do have a generous 
community and we've had quite a few um, individuals who have dedicated their time to volunteer. So you can also go on our website and volunteer. You can select the volunteer form and really decide, you know what, I only want to help at Easter or I want to do the 4th of July picnic. And so you can really tailor what you like to do. Um, I believe volunteers are more excited if it's something they love. Love. And so I think that that would be great. You can also reach us at 712-522-2850. Say that again, Sarah. Mm 712-522-2850. And that is to... Call, volunteer, donate, and get involved in the Hope Street of Siouxland. You can also visit their website at www.hopestreetofsiouxland.com or mail, because you are a nonprofit, am I correct? Correct. Your tax-deductible donation to Hope Street of Siouxland at 2540 Glen Avenue here in Sioux City, Iowa, zip 51106. Sarah, before we wrap up, you were sharing with Ann and I about the gentleman all getting button-down shirts to take a beautiful picture. Share with our listeners that story, if you would, please. So this is our first year that we have not done, I guess, a Christmas picture. We decided to take a picture in the fall, uh, having 26 individuals. We really wanted to make it special, make them feel good about it. So each person was required. I'm going to use that term loosely. I got a little bit of pushback. But when they were able to put on a nice pressed button-down shirt and they just feel really good, they, it makes them have a lot more confidence. And as, by the end of it, they were super proud to be able to do that. So we, uh, Leah and I and uh, another volunteer, hauled out 26 guys to Stone Park, took 20 minutes to wrangle 26 wow. people to take, a, to take a picture. And it was fun. It, it was great. They felt so good about it. Um, all of them have asked for, a, can I get a copy? Because I want to send it to this person. I want to show my family how well I look. They might not be able to have contact with them or their family's not quite ready for them, but they're able to communicate. I want you to see this. I want you to see what I'm doing. And I think when people start learning that it's okay that you, you can have nice things, you deserve to be happy, you can feel good about yourself, and whether it's the button-down shirt, and you got, you got a choice to pick out what button-down <laughs> shirt you wanted, you weren't just given the leftovers, um, I think that's just a really important message to them that, that there are people who care about them, who, who want to, to make them feel good, and, and say, you know what, come and join our community and be part of what we're doing, and then you can continue to, to pass on the things that you're learning to the recovery community and people who are really struggling with mental health. And Dave, am I correct? You still have people on the waiting list. We do. I think we're between 30 and 35 men still on the waiting list to get in. So um, it, it rolls along, and it's just a wonderful... I You cannot look at that picture that was sent out and... Uh, and I encourage people, if, if you don't want to donate, you don't want to volunteer, if you just want more information, call up there. Talk, talk to Sarah, talk to Leah, just ask about it. But this picture, um, of course, being part of Hope Street for as long as me and my wife have both been a part of it, when I see that, it's just, it's just moving. I mean, it's, they're all smiling, they're all happy, they're all uh, in a better place. So I'm just, 
I couldn't be more more pleased with the results that are happening up there and continue to happen and I just encourage people to help help keep it going it's it's um, it's a wonderful wonderful mission and and it's only getting better so my mom's favorite scripture when I look at this was faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love I'm going to put this picture on our website to the tease for faith in action talking about the hope street but I really do I think it's a story of faith that you have faith in these homeless men, that yes, with accountability, they can turn their lives around, that you're giving them hope and teaching them skills and getting them connected into the community. You're providing them that love and reassurance. And for a small investment, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at here, the cost for one person to stay is less than 11000 a year, but yet it costs us a half a million dollars for somebody to be on the streets for six months. Am I correct? your donation of $11,000 or $1,000 or whatever is going to change his life and it's going to impact your pocketbooks. Um, we are so grateful. Dave Ferris from Sneaky's Chicken, from Hope Street of Siouxland, Sarah Johnson from Hope Street of Siouxland. What a wonderful opportunity to meet the woman and our thanks to Leah for um, all that you do to change so many lives. Again, if you would like more information on Hope Street of Siouxland, Visit their website at hopestreetofsiouxland.com. Send your checks to Hope Street of Siouxland, 2540 Glen Avenue, Sioux City, Iowa, 51106. Or Sarah, where is Hope Street of Siouxland located at? We're currently located at 1308 Nebraska Street. And again, I welcome anybody to stop by and come see what we're doing, meet the guys, and, and really have an opportunity to see what homelessness looks like and can change to be a person who is is going to do great things for Sioux City. Well, thank you so very much. This is Faith in Action on Siouxland Catholic Radio. Lisa Niebuhr in with Ann Reed. And a thanks to Mary's Choice a Pregnancy Resource Center here in Siouxland that is helping young families uh, move from the challenges that they are facing to raising productive people in our community. And just always a reminder that a faithful reaction is great. But when you look at faith in action through the Hope Street, um, life is just incredible. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for the opportunities.